This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this month's Blue Convictions podcast. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has meant a further rise in volatility. These geopolitical tensions are having a notable impact on energy markets and supply, particularly here in Europe. Well, the sharp increase in the price of natural gas is likely to affect European growth and inflation. Well, let's find out more about that and examine how central banks might respond. I'm joined as ever by Monica Defend, the Global Head of Research here at Amundi. Hello, Monica. Welcome. It seems like a lot has happened since we last spoke. Hi, Tom, and uh, welcome to uh, every everybody. Yes, a lot has happened since the last time we talked, and we are recording a bit, a little bit later than usual, uh, just because we wanted to provide our clients with the um, the most fresh news and interpretation and conviction on the on the portfolio positioning we have given the uncertainty of the situation. Indeed, and of course, the Russia-Ukraine conflict is raging as we speak, and it's having significant market impact. What's your analysis of this situation? The, the situation is brutal, is uncertain, and is very fluid. At the time we speak, the second round of conversation is, is taking place between Ukraine and Russia. Let's see what kind of outcome we might have. But if I would suggest to have a look to the crisis event tree that we published in our Cross Asset this month, just to help our readers to get through the potential evolution in the scenarios related to different outcome in the evolution of this Russian and military escalation. Having said that, we have a baseline scenario, which is the one of a short conflict that, as history uh, tells us, uh, can last, unfortunately, for for months. And this might be extremely um, expensive in terms of casualties, of course, but also uh, in terms of economic term, uh, in particular for for Russia that uh, has been um, progressively isolated from a financial and economic stance. Um, as a side consideration, uh, our geopolitical reading is that NATO came out stronger and eventually Europe showed that under crisis, we uh, we are um, unified uh, on uh, certain subjects like uh, defense policy, arms supplies, and even the nature of, of sanctions, uh, we we were able uh, to, uh, to, to find out uh, a consensual view. Um, one last consideration, uh, we think that China uh, might be the game changer and we'd have a pivotal role, eventually penciling uh, the new uh, international geopolitical order. So is this conflict likely to impact Eurozone growth, Monica? And how might the ECB respond? And what about other central banks? Indeed, the, uh, the, this military escalation is going to be uh, rather power, uh, rather painful uh, for the Eurozone because uh, of our uh, energy dependence, because uh, of our geographic proximity. And if we think the fragility initial condition we are starting from, uh, the, the increase in gas prices actually is diluting uh, the power of the next generation fund. 
uh, money. So um, I would say that the ECB is uh, in a more challenging context than uh, than the Fed because we can easily see inflation uh, to, to to get to six percent uh, along twenty 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 two. So again, the ECB will have to to fight inflation. This is likely to be channeled through ill control, the short uh, term end of the curve with the hikes, uh, hiking rates in the in the late uh, part of, of the year. But it is important for the long term of the curve uh, to uh, remain uh, well anchored, not to impair uh, the debt sustainability of, uh, of sovereign. Uh, when it uh, so, if you want, the ECB has definitely less space of maneuver when compared to the Fed. Jay Powell has been reaffirming the normalization uh, of the balance sheet, um, which is uh, uh, which is going to have a key impact on the market on valuation in particular. And we were surprised by the market reaction uh, that was uh, positive. Uh, usually, uh, any time in the past, the the Fed has been shrinking the balance sheet. The um, equity component, the equity markets have been uh, corrected to the downside. This did not materialize yesterday. However, uh, we think that uh, the Fed will have to uh, move on a, a light uh, tightening um, and shrinking the balance sheet um, in the in the second quarter of this year. So, in this context, Monica, have you modified your asset allocation? Yes, we did, uh, with uh, some uh, key uh, targets uh, in mind, uh, protect uh, our portfolios. This is why we've been putting hedges uh, in uh, in in place, um, trying to add income on the portfolios. And this, for example, justify our uh, marginal uh, exposure, exposure to, to, to Chinese uh, assets, uh, both on the FX, because the RMB, we do expect it to appreciate versus the euro, but also on the uh, fixed income uh, side, uh, Chinese um, Chinese bonds uh, offer uh, a good uh, carry uh, carry position. Overall, we are neutral equity uh, with edges uh, in uh, in places. As I was saying, um, it's time to be very active on the on the stock picking because there are some price dislocation that might open up uh, some uh, some opportunities. Um, on the uh, fixed income side, we remain defensive on duration with the uh, short uh, five years bond. But uh, we really suggest to be very active in managing the duration position because of the volatility in the uh, fixed income uh, in fixed income market, and obviously, uh, safe haven, uh, including the uh, U.S. US uh, treasuries. One important uh, change that we did was uh, on the credit exposure, in particular, in the uh, investment grade EU uh, perimeter because of the change of stance. Uh, of the uh, of the central bank, and last but not least, uh, liquidity. Uh, we are seeing liquidity getting thinner uh, in the market, so we are closely monitoring the level of liquidity in our portfolios. And finally, on a rather different note, last week the creation of the Amundi Institute was announced. Can you tell us what its mission is and why now? Well. Uh, it has been really a tough start for us on the on the Amundi Institute. The idea was to get closer uh, to our uh, to our clients, uh, um, empowering our uh, advisory expertise with a distinctive feature, which is in uh, my personal DNA, which is the integration with the investment platform. So uh, if you want, we 
continue to emphasize uh, the role of the research uh, capabilities at Amundi in bridging between uh, the investment platforms uh, uh, on one side that remain at the core uh, of our uh, of our target and uh, the, the the final uh, clients. Um, Importing our our capabilities uh, through the uh, through the advisory. Well, that's all we've got time for. Monica Defend, the global head of research here at Amundi. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Tom, and talk to you soon. And thanks to you as well for listening. We hope to have you with us again very soon for another Blue Convictions podcast. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.